Sounds like audio crisp. Welcome to the North End Podcast, where three Canadians and an Englishman talk about Bundesliga soccer. Gentlemen, how are you doing today? Well, we're talking about Bundesliga today because we have nothing else to talk about. Oh, well, that's it. Luke, yourself, how are you doing, brother? Delightful. Eating a clementine, not to be confused with an uh, orange. Uh, Ooh, that is classy. Yeah, I think uh, naranja in Spanish, but uh, we'll stick to German for now. So good. So good. So, Polly, how are you doing, brother? Ja, good. Das good. Das is, das is good, yeah. Das is good, yeah? Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. That's well, terrible. Um, That's absolutely yeah. terrible. <laughs> well, oh, I, I would, I would ex- appreciate you to be the expert on German accents. So. And why would, you, why would you say this, Paul? You know why, wink, wink. Blonde. We, all, we all know why. why. I cannot story, help though, being a talented actor. Brian, if you must know, I, I haven't recently, seen it yet, so I need to yeah, see it. Yeah, I recently found out that there is a famous British TV show on Netflix here in Canada called Father Brown. And I may have played a certain uh, army individual for Germany at a certain time period. Let's just leave it at that. Gestapo. No, I wasn't. I wasn't quite good enough to be that. I was just a peon. I was just a just a minion. Just a minion. Right. Just a soldier. Yeah, but I did get to scream "Nicht Provein" at a uh, a poor Jewish actor, which actually means "Don't move." Luke um, played a stormtrooper, but not the good kind. Yeah, exactly. Didn't didn't uh, didn't win any awards, but I was very time. very good to see. So Father Brown, if anyone wants to to see me dressed as a Nazi, let's just say what it is. <laughs> and let me know, and I can tell you where you know, where you can watch it. It's on Netflix. You get any uh, royalties from that or what? I was going to ask, yeah. <laughs> you don't want to know. Every they keep trying to send it to me, and I'm like, please, God, no, just just give it to someone. Don't, yeah. don't give it to me. <laughs> that's amazing. Nicely done. Well, we do have uh, we do have some football to discuss, uh, football that's actually going to take place, which is the Bundesliga is back May 16th. Mm. Um, Bundesliga, uh, yes, football, something to watch. So, um, Paul, where, where, where can uh, people watch that on? Do you know? Uh, my understanding of the Bundesliga in Canada, um, if you want to go legal, is that Sportsnet has the exclusive uh, television rights in Canada. And I think if you have some channels like Fox that are U.S. broadcast, they get the occasional game that's Bundesliga as well. I don't know if they're going to up their coverage because it'll be the hottest game in town because it'll be the only sport that's going to be actually televised the next couple of weeks. Um, and then there's the good old-fashioned uh, streaming illegally. And we are keeping no, it on data. No, 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 no. But there is hope that Dazen is aware of the situation and trying to scramble to get something going on as well for streaming. Uh, Bundesliga, I think, had an arrangement last year with Dazen. But can then we they, just, they lost can we, it. Can we just do one thing, Paul? We've been doing this for weeks, for months. And you continue to call it the wrong name. Like that. zone. You said it. They've said it. What why why are you struggling with four letters? What is happening? Dazin? <laughs> all right, all right. So let's get caught up with um, what's going on in the Bundesliga at the moment. Uh, I'm going to give you the sort of the rundown of the top. We'll do the top six since we typically do top six and England will do top six in Germany. So in first, we got Bayern Munich on 55 points. Second, Borussia Dortmund on 51 points. Third, Mr. Uh, Connie's favorite team, RB Leipzig, on 50 points. So it's, a very, it's very close in the top three. You got you know five points between the top three. Muchen Gladbach on 49 and Bayern Leverkusen on 47. Uh, Schalke on 37. So sixth place, you got a 10-point gap between there. So it's the top five teams are within nine points of each other, which is pretty close uh, considering and uh, should should be should be interesting when the when they when they uh, wrap up the season to see where, where it ends up. Um, and there's we're gonna, 10 games, right? Like, like nine points yeah, I think so. the 10 game run towards the final. That that should be an exciting photo finish. You think like, it would wait, be, right? Hold on a second though. Like, do we think this is like, you know, we, we know it's been a better situation in Germany than other parts of the world, but do we think this is going to start, continue to go and just make it to the end of the season? Or do you think they're going to do one week and kind of monitor it and say, well, I don't know if this is a good idea, you know? 
Oh, who fucking knows, man? Yeah, yeah it's, right? an, it's, an, it's an interesting question. And I think that um, the government has been very particular about when they do things in Germany. And obviously, they've done a very good job of most of dealing with this, this situation. So I, likely, they're going to be monitoring everything. It's behind closed doors. So that it's, it's, it's going to be a TV scenario. Obviously, people still need to be there. There needs to be a camera crew. There needs to be coaches from both sides. And there's going to need to be some people in the... I think I think when they were talking about it initially, it's about 150 to 200 people in total that need to be in the same place at the same time. Now they're not, you know, arguably, arguably they're social distancing other than the players. So um, yeah, hopefully it gets to the end. I mean, it would be nice to have some football. It's certainly going to be better off than England will be considering where, where England are right now and their inability to, to make a decision and inability to really play. They're not, they're not going to be able to play probably because of how bad it is there. So it should be interesting. We all, know, we all know, just to be fair here, that England caught on late globally when it came to COVID nineteen. Sure. Like they, Very, they mishandled yeah. it in in such a poor way. And we know, you know, the Germans are so well known for how well they handle a lot of things. Uh, they were good about it, as as they are about a lot of things. And uh, I imagine their testing situation is going to be good. So, so that's why. I mean. Like Paul, what do you what do you think with do you think because of the setback that England had or whatever that that's maybe cost the Premier League and cost all of the fans from maybe seeing it this season? I, I think England's been a gong show, and I think we've got a very small window to become huge fans of of the German league and and, and really pretend like we are invested in teams. I can pretend I was invested in Sunderland because of a documentary. You give me 10 games worth of cheering for a specific team, I'm going to go fucking crazy. You're buying jerseys, buddy. You're buying... I I am in. (laughs) I am in. So in regards to that, uh, who who are you picking, Paul? Who's your your team in the race? What's your your team choice? Uh, I think I've quietly been a Dortmund fan for a while because of their success earlier in Champions League. Shinji Kagawa was a player that Man United scouted, so I saw some games just kind of keeping an eye on him. That that wall of yellow they have with the yellow banners is crazy. Uh, my understanding is it's a mine town, a mining town, kind of like uh, Steelers. Um, and then coincidentally, they have the uh, black and yellow kind of colors like the Steelers as well. Um, I, I just think I'm going to have a lot of fun cheering for them when I'm vested before I even get into the fact that there's at least two players that I want to be on Man United in the near future that I'll be scouting every single game, there it sending, is. sending my notes over to Woodward. We know, we know that's the real reason. All that other stuff was great, but we all know why you're in a Dortmund. <laughs> Luke, uh, who, who are you picking? Hmm. I have given this a little bit of thought, and uh, you know, we, we obviously talked amongst ourselves on who we all wanted. I am going to go for the aptly known... English translation of a German team, which is the name they gave themselves when they realized that the English supporters, when they played in the, I think it was the Europa, could not say their team name. So I'm going to be Borussia, uh, sorry, Borussia Mönchengladbach. Um, so you can't say it. <laughs> so, you know, exactly. It's, it's tough. You know, it's, there's a lot of letters going on there. Yeah. But uh, they are a good team. They've got a good history. And they have the son of one of my all-time favorite players playing there. Currently in fourth place. So that's a good choice. Uh, Connie, what's, yeah. your, uh, what's your Who's the what's son? Wait. Let's yeah, get details. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah, go ahead, Luke. Yeah, Brian. Jesus. Sorry, sorry buddy. Set you up for something there, and you just yeah. totally ruined it. Uh, I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> uh, the son is he. Oh, we'll see if you can guess. Very famous defender. Played for Parma when they were at their very best. Uh, big, strong cent- centre back. English. Uh, French international. Marcel Marcel Desailles. No, a little, a little later than that. Kind of early 2000s for Palmer when Palmer had a fantastic team. Oh, man. Great, great, great last name begins with T. <laughs> oh, oh, are you talking? Was he a right back? No, center back. I think you're going to have to uh, tell us there, Luke. Yeah, because yeah, the pod will be too long otherwise. Lillian Toram. Oh, Turan. He was a right back, Luke. He scored no, two goals. Center back. Scored two goals in the semifinal in '98 World Cup, or uh, the quarterfinal, or the semifinal. Was he a right back? Lilium Turan. Lilium Turan. I could watch you guys all day. Right this back. Well, okay. We're, well, learning, we're learning about the Bundesliga now, fellas. Turan was brilliant. Yeah, he was fantastic. But his his son is a striker, Marcus Lilian Turan, and he plays for Borussia as well. So, oh, there you go. French under twenty ones. Yeah, I like him. Final of a World Cup scores yeah. two goals. I think they win two one or two nothing. Only two goals he ever scored internationally. No, word of God, wild. Love that. 
Connie, who are you? Uh, who are you picking, fella? Oh, it's gotta be, gotta be RB Leipzig. Any any team that comes up from Red Bull, just putting a team together, how do you not pick them? And they got a That's couple t- of players, much like Paul. I like honestly, if I'm being very transparent here, like. Dortmund's probably, I mean, we've all, we all know Bayern Munich very well. I could have gone with Dortmund, but I wanted to spice it up a little bit. And, and RB Leipzig have had quite the meteoric rise with the injection of funds, which I know we're all not big fans of, but they just got so much going on. There's so much of an, an aura around them that I'm, uh, I'm sticking with them. They're, I think they're the bad boys and probably the most hated in the league. Because yeah, they have a decent chance of winning this year too. Like this is the surprise Cinderella story for them. They've been, wow. I think they've been in first place a couple of times this season. They have been. They were. They were leading early. Early on in the uh, when we played them in the Champions League, they were first uh, in the first. Uh, I think it was in the first round. The first round of the knockout stages, or was it in the group? I don't remember. Anyways, it was. Um, it was good. They're a great team. Really had some great players on the team. Really, really well managed. I think that's the main thing. Their manager. Uh, I think Spurs were looking at bringing him in when uh, Poch got the sack. So um, yeah, he's he's youngest manager. I think he's like thirty five or something like that. He's like ridiculously young and uh, doing very well as a manager. I chose. Um, I chose who reminded me of Spurs the most in this league, and that's um, Bayern Leverkusen. They're in yeah. fifth. Um, they're, they're a good side. They, they're kind of the team that almost always is really close to winning, but never does. So I was like, yeah, it's perfect. They're fucking Spurs and Sounds Spurs like Spurs Germany, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I got to go with it. So, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a glutton for punishment. I'm going to watch them finish probably just outside of the Champions League spaces, and uh, and I can be miserable like like usual. It'll be It'll be great. And we can all agree that we all, as hardcore German league fans, we all hate Bayern Munich, right? And we have for years. Oh, 100%. Yeah, they're just dis- bastards. Disgusting. Every every player goes there. They're like the Man United of the uh, of the Bundesliga. I'm such a big uh, Gladbach fan that I am currently bidding on a 2014 jersey. So, uh, <laughs> you know, don't write me off yet, gentlemen. Oh, I will have funny. a jersey before that, that first game. Oh, I, I already have mine. I, we used to play uh, co-eds in uh, Dortmund colors. Oh well, I doubt it fits anymore. Though. I have a I have a Dortmund uh, Dortmund uh, kit as well because I was in my my last men's league team was wearing them for their for the kit. So I, I managed to buy one when Nina was in Germany. She got a couple of them, and I've got a Dortmund one, but I don't have a, I don't have my my team's jersey. So I'm gonna have to look in, into that and see how quickly I can get up. Maybe before next podcast, get the uh, the quick shipment over from Germany. Do I got to get my Timo Werner RB Leipzig jersey going here? Hot commodity. Hot no, cool. just start drinking more Red Bull, man. I know. Yeah. yeah, there you go. That's your that's your uh, investment into the club. I'll be buzzing for the next pod. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Awesome. Well, uh, that's been fun, and I'm looking forward to. It. So we'll, each week we'll kind of bring you an update as to what's going on once it kicks off. It's uh, the 16th of May, as I said. Um, there's a fixture list uh, you can find on Fox Sports or on um, any any basically any app. It's going to be everywhere. Hopefully, it'll be on every channel, every sports channel everywhere as well, because it should be easy to watch for everybody because everybody's dying for something. So yeah, looking forward definitely. to that. And please, nobody get excited about what this means to the Premier League. This does not mean anything for the yeah. Premier League. The Germans had their shit together for the virus. Uh, or they were, they've been planning to bring the sports back once the virus was even a, like a thought. They had already started making committees and getting experts and medical advice on how to bring sports back. They're so much further ahead of anybody in England that you can't, you can't, there's no apples and oranges here. Like this is different. Yeah, it's completely different. The the numbers are completely different. The, they they built a plan that was based on advice from their doctors of the team, like the team's doctors as well. So they built a plan to do that. I mean, they, in England, they haven't even used the the doctor's advice at all for team doctors. The team doctors in, in England were like, nobody's asked us anything. Um, and so it's, it's shocking that it can be that stupid. People can be that stupid and not recognize that you've got a resource right there. You you immediately put them on top of like what PPE would be required, like what things they could do to, for on match day to make sure that everybody that it, it is participating and it is safe and they're not, um, they're nowhere near it. So it's a, uh, it's a shambles. We're not going to get uh, any, we're not going to get any Premier League for a long time, but we've got the Bundesliga. So yay. <laughs> we're all in. Oh. So we'll always have transfer rumors. <laughs> yes, of course. We will. And speaking of transfer rumors, guys, let's that brings us to our next uh, segment, which we're going to talk about the the transfer game that Paul has developed. Now we did this last year. We'll be doing it again this year. We've got obviously Luke added on with a little bit of um, relegation sort of uh, spiced to add to it because you know the the three of us are all uh, top top four team supporters, um, and it was always about whether you're going to get in the Champions League, whether you're going to win the league, all that type of stuff. What was the what are the goals? We've got Luke now to. Uh, um, tell us what the goals are of staying up. 
up. If but hold on a second, just to be clear, there's a solid chance. I'm pretty sure as of right now, United and Spurs are out of the top four. I know, I know, but I'm just saying. I was talking. About, I was talking about from last year. I'm not talking about currently. So, anyways, that, that maybe that's our goal is to get into the top four by the end of the season, and we do do we do base it on a goal. Um, first, we're going to do Mr. David Convery and Manchester United. Paul, do you want to take over? Yeah. So this is uh, basically. A lot of the conversation, uh, Connie and I specifically as Man United fans will, will have when we're drunk is the, if you were in charge, what would you do next? Hypothetical. So we just kind of put some meat to the bones and like, and defined an exercise in how to rebuild your team. So Connie's been asked to be the director of football. He, uh, he did this last season as well. And if I went back and I looked at what Connie did last season, his intent for Man United would be that they should finish somewhere in the top four. Um, he had them signing Juan Basaka, and that actually came to be. And that's, uh, you know, kudos to him. Uh, he had them signing Bruno Fernandez, and that eventually came to be. So again, kudos to him. But his number one target was Pepe. Um, and I think he specifically said that Sancho is overrated. Pepe is the real deal. <laughs> Oh, you goodness. watch, he's going to light this league on fire. Which he still could. <laughs> he just had... Hey, he, 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 was starting, he was starting to show some progress. We all know adapting into the Premier League is, uh, is difficult. I, I did feel that way at the time, and he has just not been good. I don't know if that's been him or it's been Arsenal. He started to come around. He still could be maybe that player, but yeah, I mean, at the time, I, w- I was riding him pretty hard. Yes, yes, you were. <laughs> I will say, uh, in and around November, December, I was like, "Fuck, guys, was I wrong about that guy?" It, it, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong. Did you not say Sancho was overrated as well? Was that part of the? Uh, yeah, and, and if we do recall from the last pod, I'm not as sold on Sancho as as I think that's the, true. The rest of the three of you are. I'm. I think that- I'm dying to see who he buys because I know it's not going. Sancho's not going to be who he spends money on. No, for for sure. But we'll see. Well, we'll, we'll see on that, pal. Right, we'll see. Uh, so I was also going back, and he sold. This is where it's interesting. Uh, Connie sold like four uh, Man United players who actually ended up being sold. He he identified three or four other guys who were definitely on the way out. Um, so in a lot of ways, he was right. And he specifically said, um, and this is pre Lukaku being sold, he would sell Lukaku. And he called that if Lukaku went to Italy, he'd score something like 25 goals. Um, so there's a certain degree of, okay, this guy might know what he's talking about. Let's not get crazy. <laughs> it does sound like you did a pretty good job though, Connie. Uh, you know, you pat yourself on the back a little bit. Um, a, couple you know, of, a couple of the guys that I that I wanted though did end up going like, Ndombele went to Spurs. Tillemans, I guess, did sign with Leicester. They were on my list and... At the time, I still would have been very happy with both of them, but uh, yeah, yeah. So this time around, uh, Connie's been given a war chest that is what we kind of think, guessing total guess, uh, would be the Man United war chest of 150 million. You call it pounds or dollars? Uh, probably think it as pounds for the exercise of this game. Um, and he's been tasked with identifying the players he wants to sell. Um, every player that he wants to sell will have a price tag that uh, the market will dictate. And I've told him what that price is. I'm the market. Uh, And then players he wants to sign as a free agent. uh, And then players he wants to buy. So what we're going to start with is, Connie, where do you think Man United are right now? What issues or, or solves are you looking to go to the transfer market to build or or plug in for Man United? Okay, so I, I think this, you know, De Gea has had his struggles, but I'm finding the goalkeeper. I do think they need, I think despite price tag, take the price tag away, the 80 million for Harry Maguire. I think Harry Maguire has been a fantastic purchase. The money was, uh, let's doesn't matter. Was it too much money for me? Absolutely. I think he has been a phenomenal signing. I think he needs a partner. I'm I'm not Eric Bailly is great when he's not injured. He's a rash player. Um, I don't think there's another central defender there of the quality that is required at what you would call a top four or top club. So a central defender is 
extremely important for me. Um, I don't think Manchester United have had a right winger since Cristiano Ronaldo got there and played right wing for a little bit before he moved over to the left. I don't think they've ever, ever replaced that. Maybe even it was Beckham before him. Um, who was Nanny, never Nanny was okay at right wing. Nanny was okay. Time. He was inconsistent. And that Valencia for one season. That right wing spot, I think, is crucial. And then also, I don't think they have a true um, defensive midfielder. And I don't think they've had one since maybe you could argue Darren Fletcher, but more importantly, Roy Keane. So those three positions, um, and you could argue which ones are the most important, but those three right there are, are perennial. I mean, I think striker Mason Greenwood's going to come through to be a, a really good player. Rashford started to start show some really good class. I think Marshall's better than people think up the middle. Um, not super concerned about that. You know, you got Daniel James, who's a young player. He, I guess he can play on the right, but he can play on the left. But I, I really want someone in the right wing, but I really want a true defensive midfielder. I don't think that's Scott McTominay. Uh, it's definitely not Paul Pogba. It, it's just a hole there. And again, I think they need that that partnership um, uh, in the central defense. You haven't seen it since, you know, Vidic and Terry. I mean, Vidic and uh, Rio, excuse me. So those are the key areas for me. Um, but again, much like we did uh, last year when we did this, there's some very important outs for me as well uh, of guys that have been there for a while that, and you know what, you can talk about Oli all you want. You can talk about United. The most impressive thing that Oli and United have done in the last 18 months is getting rid of certain players. Like they spent a lot of money on Lukaku, Sanchez's wages were a ton of players gone. It's it's a legit rebuild, and there's still a few more hanging on. That uh, baby face assassin. Yeah, and they need to go. So, uh, and again, I think with Man United's ownership and, and finances, I don't think they're like a PSG or a Man City. Money money is tighter there than people think. They can afford to buy these players. I think it's the wages, guys. Like a lot of these guys, you sign for Man United, you're not making forty, fifty thousand a week. You're making 80, 90, 100 right off the bat. And there's a lot of these guys getting paid a lot of money that either are not playing or they're just not good enough. And, I, and when it comes to, you know, putting together transfers, it's, it's not always the fee. The wages are, are huge. And, and we saw that last year with, I think one of the reasons we didn't sign Bruno Fernandez in the summer is because we were probably still holding on to some guys making pretty big wages that we offloaded in January. I um, just want to ask about Alexis Sanchez. You guys lent 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 him out, right? He was on loan, or did you? Just, yeah, he's on loan. Yeah. So you, so arguably back. he's coming back, and you'll have to manage that with those wages. Well, I wasn't sure. okay. we don't know if he's coming back. Story he's came coming out back earlier. until something else happens. His story came out earlier uh, this past week that he has no intention of playing for United ever again. Which I think we would all listen in in his heyday for Arsenal. I think at some points he was the best player in the league. He's just, we've all seen him when he's played. One of the best in the world, I think. Yeah, exactly. And even if, if, he, actually, if he refuses to play for Man United, that's the best thing for us because then we don't have to pay him. We're not looking to get value. We're just looking to get him off the books. He'd be foolish not to stick around for that side. But also even like, yeah. and it's kind of sad. If you guys have followed him on his way to Inter, he, he couldn't even get into the starting lineup at Inter. Conte wanted him, and he's been terrible at injury. He's been injured, mind you. But even I what like, happened really well because the moment he signed for you, it all went down. And I, I actually yeah. said that when that signing went through, I said that that is the worst thing because he was known, and you had a lot of kind of disagreement in your changing room already. And then you bring in a player that's that's got a history of of not really bringing people together, but also but being a bit of a catalyst for for more decisiveness and 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 kind of derision amongst the, uh, the the players. So it was a bit of a strange one. So yeah, I'd like, I'd, I'd like to point out here, I'd like to point out here that um, he had lost a lot of his qualities while, while still at Arsenal. Um, I, uh, as a Spurs fan, I, you know, I'd like to watch Arsenal be shit. It was one of your favorite things on the weekend is if Arsenal lost and Spurs won, it was quality. Um, but I did, I did watch him a lot and he went from being that player that everybody sort of remembers him as um, in the last six months he was there to being pretty, pretty average and given the ball away, I think there was a stat. I can't remember the exact stat, but he gave his, in a, in a game, there's, he has the record for the most giveaways of giving away the ball the most times in a game. Um, and it was like something like, I forget the number. It was, it was crazy at the amount of times he give, gives the ball away. And he was doing that a lot. So I think the Arsenal fans, and if you ask them, and I think um, they would agree that they were happy to get rid of him at the time they did, um, knowing he had kind of dropped off quite a bit from where he was and that United were getting a bit of a, a, a skunk um, in that sense. So um, 
that, I think that I think you got to recognize that it was he was already he had already gone down. And if you look at his statistics at the end of his Arsenal career, he, it, it's pretty obvious where he was at. So it'll be interesting to see if Connie tries to sell him for a bag of balls. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Connie. If I played back what your mission is, uh, it sounds like you want to strengthen the spine uh, through the middle from the defense to the midfield, and you've identified right wing as an issue. What's your build objective? Like next season with the players that you're going to sell. Oh, sorry. And the other objective would be, I guess, cutting some uh, dead weight, which is the continual mission for Man United. Um, you are going into next season. What are you building your team with the goal in mind? Are you trying to win the league top four? What stage of the rebuild do you think your moves are going to take Man United to? Okay. Great question. My goal next year is solidifying a top four spot. Like if we could get three or four, I'd be happy. I just don't think, I think regardless of the moves that I'm hypothetically going to try to make right now, um, we're still, uh, you know, we're still significantly behind Liverpool and City with where they are right now. And who knows what's going to happen with them. But the league's gotten harder. Like it's, it used to be, and we all know this, for years it was top four, top, top. It's it's not. It's like top six, top seven. The amount of money and, and these smaller teams that, are managed very well and just have a really strong work ethic and, and the way they've bound together. It's not a top four anymore. So even getting in, winning the league is a huge achievement. But now in the Premier League, if you can get into the top four, it's almost like a mini victory on its own. I mean, you get Champions League, but it, for me, it's just much harder. So I think in our rebuild next year, I'm still top four. Like if we could take second or third, I think that would be great. I don't think we are in a position uh, in this transfer window to be prepared even in the summer in January to be in a position to fight for the title. Wow. Wow. That is, that's depressing. But is it inaccurate? I'm a United fan. I'm not depressed by that. You should be. Times have I think changed, it, though, it doesn't happen in one window. It, it doesn't happen Seven, overnight. Eight years, we, like, United won the title in, what, 2014? That's six years ago. Six coming on seven yeah. years ago. But do you, do you think that you're that many players away from challenging? With the, with, with the United that we were seeing before, just before this quarantine kicked in, I think we were seeing a very, very impressive United. And I think, you know, I'm excited to hear who, who you want to bring in and out and stuff, but... A couple of players in, I think, a, you know, a good, another good midfielder, maybe another a good uh, kind of attacking uh, player as well, like a forward and, and you know, maybe maybe one more defender. Like, I I, I, I don't know. I, I don't look at that United team. It, with good a, question, though. But he, he, And you know what? Here's my counterpoint. I, and you're right as far as maybe the starting 11 goes. But if you look at a Man City and, and you know, like I take my hat off to Liverpool. If you look... This path, and, and you look at the depth on Liverpool's bench. You're like, Jesus Christ! These guys have quietly done a fantastic job in the transfer window the last two, three seasons. City mm. have been doing it for seventy. Sometimes I look at City's bench and I'm like, Jesus Christ! Riyad Mahrez sitting on the bench might not even come off the bench. Uh, Leroy Sané, who might be going back to the Bundesliga, uh, sitting on the bench there. It's almost like when you see Barcelona's bench, you're like, it's it's just a wealth of riches, and you're like. I would take this guy in a second. Yeah, and I, as it, the way I look at it is that if you look at Liverpool's team right now, they're a, they're a, a product of five years of planning and building. They only just got the missing two pieces, a keeper and an amazing defender a season and a half ago. And, and everything just kind of clicks, but it wasn't that window that made it all work. It was the windows before and the planning. And that's kind of how I've always looked at the, the United project. It's like, it's bigger than people think because there's so much deadwood to get out and that takes time. And then you have to bring in the right players, but you also have to bring in the right players that in three years time, not next year, but in three years time are going to hit peak so that when everything clicks, it's on a, it's on a path. And that's why United fans have typically always freaked out because it never felt like there was a plan in front of them. There's, there was no path. Um, and I think I, it kind of made me feel different, but I, United fans aren't freaking out about that as much because it feels like the transfer windows recently have been, oh, we kind of get what you're doing now. The last one was the only good one that they've had in maybe the last eight, nine. You got to remember the last couple of years when Fergie was there, other than Van Persie, one, he didn't buy anybody. And two, the people that he did buy weren't great. 
They haven't bought well for eight or nine years other than RVP. The, the only good window I can remember is the last one, the last two with Bruno Fernandez and um, uh, Harry Maguire and Juan Bissaka. Those three, you can even throw in Daniel James, 15 million young guy. For 15 million being young coming from the championship, he's done exceptionally well. It's It's been a brilliant last couple of transfer windows. So before we get into your team, let me just ask you, because it's all incremental steps. Fighting for top four with the moves that you're about to make. Yeah. But then how far away do you think you are and I'll put it this way. How many more transfer windows with the team you're about to reveal to us do you think they are away from a challenge? One. If we do it right in the summer, and we, so this season top four, and then we do it right one more time, we're challenging for a title. And that's also um, – there's a lot of things going on at Man City, and there's also a Liverpool team that's getting tired. And it, we all know this. What? We all know this goes in, We all know this goes in cycles. So – even if we had another full season of the Premier League when it starts in August, October, whenever it's going to start, Liverpool are still flying. They win the league. We know this. It, we saw, we've seen it at Spurs. Like it, it, it drain your team drains, and you need to replenish. You see it at every club. So I think United might, if they do it right, the next two windows they might start to hit their stride, where those other clubs might be still trying to kind of put together the pieces again. Like I Man City might, I, this season. I just want to chime in a little bit on your statement there. Liverpool are getting tired. Is that what you said? They've, they've I mean, they're, they're literally 26 points above everybody else. This, so this is what I'm not talking Brian, to see. I'm, I'm talking. Brian, consider this. Brian, I want you to consider this. Man City won easily the last two seasons. And then all of a sudden, two-time defending champion. Easily last season. They barely won. The they won Relatively point. easily. <laughs> the point is not easy. One point. Relatively easily. And then all of a sudden... All of it catches up to them in one season and it falls off a bit. And that's that's the cycle. That's what Connie will, and I will recognize this because we've had teams that were at the top level for so long that all of a sudden that team just drops. Yeah, I'm not saying that, that doesn't happen, Paul. I agree that that happens. I don't agree that that's happening with Liverpool. I think that's, that's well, wrong. He didn't say it's happening now. What you're saying. Yes, he did. He said he no, actually I, literally no, said I do. That. I did. I said they're getting tired and I think they're going to run out of what steam. I don't think you're going to get the same performances from Mane and Salah week in, week out. Van Dyke, yeah, maybe. But I think if they don't continue to make changes and bring, bring in like the best of breed around Europe, which, you know, credit to Liverpool. They're in a position where they can now do that. Man City. I don't see why they'd stop doing like, that. And so, then think yeah. about this. Here's, and, and like Liverpool are maybe not in the same position as City, but Liverpool are much more heavily reliant on their starting 11. My major concern with Man City is how do you replace Sergio Aguero? He's not a spring chicken. You don't have David Silva anymore. You're losing potentially Leroy Sané to Bayern Munich. I'd be and De Bruyne potentially. Good De Bruyne's comments about if they don't have well, they, Champions League, I won't. Yeah, yeah. If they if they lose Champions League football, I mean, City are City are fucked. But, and also, Brian, I mean, it, is, it is a different animal that, to Liverpool. And Brian, I, you I think can appreciate this. You can appreciate this very well as, and I'm not sure, and I'll maybe ask Luke because I, yeah, I'm just not sure the record, but especially at Spurs in this past season at United, Liverpool have had a horseshoe up their ass. Nobody's been injured. Nobody. Like liver, like if you look at what happened at Tottenham with injuries in the last two seasons, brutal. And United this past season, it's it's disturbing. And uh, Luke, I'm not even sure how, how uh, Villa have been doing well, with injuries. They have, they've suffered brutally when they've gotten their their better better players. You this, think this at the season. moment we had John McGinn was a star performer, yeah. injured for months. Wesley tears his ACL. Uh, Heaton tears his ACL in the same game. Two starting, uh, two of you starting eleven to so uh, that, uh, that ACL. Yeah, so, yeah. Before we get into it, let me ask you all yes or no quickly because we'll, we'll focus in on this. Let's just say, and you could pick either or Mane or Salah. If one of them had a major injury, a major injury, like a three four month torn cruciate, whatever, that you have them winning the league. No. It's a it's an I, think I think they're still challenging. Um, really, so Brian? Winning, winning, they're yeah. so heavily relying on that front three. Yeah, but you just said one of them. There's still two of them left, and there's an elite. They've got it. They've got a good. Sure, but I would agree a little bit with Brian. They are definitely uh, reliant on them. But you know, when Liverpool came back from three 0 down to Barcelona, they were missing Firmino two and and Salah. That's true. So you know, they they have they have a great. Um, I think Liverpool's strength really is in the that the spirit they have at the team and what the system as well. creates it. It is you know. Incredible, and I think, and you think, remember that they've been bringing in. They got uh, that Minamino was one. Yeah. You know, we'll see. Shakiri will go out the door, and there's talk of you know, look at William. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they they gra- end up grabbing him. That's a great rotation player. So, I think if Liverpool can continue that that positive mentality, 
And I think the key players that that are the driving force, like the engines in in Van Dyke, and you know, dare I say it, um, you know, Henderson, who yeah. you know, there was an argument the other day, and it was on there. Well, it was on Talk Sport, and they said, um, you know, at this current moment in time, is is there a team that Henderson would not walk into? No. And you know, with how he plays around everyone else, you have to go. No, he's he brilliant. Really, he really gets in everywhere. So, but for, uh, for me, the answer is simple. You take away Salah, it's it's an impact. Okay, that's that's going to hurt them. I don't think they actually have the coverage on right wing to allow them to play the style that's been winning them games all season without him. But okay, maybe they have that coverage. I don't know. But if you take away Mane, if you look at the sheer number of games he's won them this year, that's it. Then they're not tight. They're not challenging for the title anymore. They're just, they're just well, not. They, they, and that's, they that's, not, that's not a knock on the team. That's like saying if Jordan was injured, would the Bulls be good? It, it, they have a healthy, great player who's at the peak of his form right now. They, anybody would struggle to cover somebody that important to their team. It, yeah. It's not a knock. Anyways, uh, so I've got a good sense of where you're at, maybe too much of a sense of where you think you're at compared to other teams. Let's get into the Deadwood. Yeah. You, you have been tasked with moving players on. Um, Everybody that you want to move on, the market numbers have been given to you. Yep. You have $150 million to spend. Everybody yep. you sell will be in addition to the war chest. So okay. walk us through who you're selling yep. and why, and then we can work out your, what your new uh, war chest number is, and you can, you can go to town and start buying up uh, anybody you want. Perfect. So I'll, I'll maybe save the, the most surprising one for last. Number one, and I get blood flow just saying this, Phil Jones. Get out of my fucking club. <laughs> How did you have trick that you've been there as long as you've been there? Get out now. 10 million. Phil Jones, I'll give him away for free, but you've got him down for 10 million here. Bet you, I bet, bet you Villa would take him. Good. Yeah. <laughs> and, and no. <laughs> no, I, I think... I mean, if you're in the championship, the, he's, a, he's a quality player. Net. I think he survived something like... 12 or 13 transfer windows. It's what? And, it's, and it, was a, it was a really great statistic. And the, the best part about that statistic is that the fact that that statistic is even a statistic just shows you how bad Phil Jones is. Yeah. When you're comparing a player's quality by how many transfer windows he's escaped, it's uh, it's a bit of a problem. Yeah. They're going yeah. to get 20 million from Newcastle for him. No and, chance. And it's going to be the best day of ever. And Paul, I don't know if you have him down here, and this is not my. And this could be my fault, but you just throw a number at him very quickly and easily. Marcus Rojo, give me a number. Oh, you're looking at. Sorry, man, but he's like five eight mil? million. He's eight. I was gonna say like five. Okay, no, he still he still plays for Argentina. He's still an international. Okay, Rojo got to go. So he is. You want to say eight mil? Yep. Okay. Do you? And guys, feel free to chime in here if you have any opinions. Like these guys. No, it's fine. Yep. Let's go. Um, keep going. I love Rojo, by the way. Alexi Sanchez has to go. Um, I think he goes for free because of his wages. What do you think? There's no way anyone's paying money for him. I How old is he? He's 30, he's 32, I think, or 33. He's supposed to be making half a million pounds a week or something. Like 450, 450K yeah. a week he's on. Like, I, think, I just, think you can get anywhere from 5 to 10 if he goes to MLS. And they're buying him as a marketing tool. 5 to 10? Okay, I'll even take yeah, it. That's probably, that's probably accurate. Okay. Um, Andres Pereira has to go. Not good enough to play for Manchester United. What do you guys yeah. think? Not good enough. I'm not even a United fan, and I would agree yeah. wholeheartedly. I've watched, the times I've watched him play, it, it, he's robbing. He's robbing a, a starting performance on that He TV. plays so Criminal. much. And he plays it's a lot. I was going to say that. Yeah, he's, he's, he's there a lot. So I, I don't like him as a guy who plays that much. I don't know if I would sell him myself. Uh, squad player, maybe. He's a good story for the academy guys because he is an academy guy. Um, but I, I don't like seeing him in the starting lineup ever. Yeah. Um, this next what, one. What was the number there? Uh, for Pereira, it's 15 mil. Generous. I think so. Yeah, he's young, but who's giving you 15 million from Pereira? Gonna, I think you're going to get 15 mil from from a lot of clubs. Maybe maybe not after COVID-19, right. but I think Pereira, um, who is young, plays a lot in the Premier League. Who Manchester has, United. When he was at Valencia two years ago, had the most take-on successful and is a Brazilian international former, but still yeah, good I enough. think 
I think he would go for more than 15, to be honest. I mean, despite what you think of him in his performance, I, th- I think maybe 2025 would be so. more likely. In the old climate, maybe in the new climate, you, yeah. you'd say no. But um, previous to COVID, I think okay. that would have been accurate. This next one's a little bit interesting uh, because he's been out on loan and he's actually been really, really good at Roma. But I think for the club that I want and the type of player that I need, I need a player that can move the ball. And and watching, I think the biggest thing we've seen in football in the last couple of years is how important it is to transition the ball from defense to midfield to the attack. And I think Liverpool have done such a phenomenal job of that the last couple of seasons. And that's my main problem with this next guy. And, uh, and that's Chris Smalling. And that's 20. Yeah, he, he's, he's done really well in, uh, in Italy as well. He's uh, one of the top performers in, 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 in the league. It's surprising that it's such a, I mean, I guess it's not because the, the level is quite a bit different and it's, they play quite a bit different football, but he's done really well. I think statistically in Syria up to, up until the break, he was statistically the best defender in the league. The best defender. Yeah. yeah, yeah. On, on a team that's not that defensive. Roma are not exactly shutting up shop. It's the best thing possible for him and for Man United that he goes out this way and we get good money for him. He'll be remembered well. He'll He's happy yeah. from all accounts in Roma. Uh, so yeah, cool. And I don't know that you've got this guy on the list. And again, this could be my fault, but we can throw a number at him. Um, I, I can't have him anymore. I don't think the quality's there. He is statistically he's been brutal and uh you know i know a lot of people like him for me he's a bit of a hype guy and again he's just not at the level that i want my club to be at and that's jesse lingard jesse jesse lingard homegrown homegrown too right he came through your academy i think brian luke that jesse lingard's good enough to play at man united no i don't think so no 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 and and everyone i think for the longest time how you got away with it with lingard was you know, he's young, he's promising, he's, you know, because you still think, oh, he's still young. He's not young. He's 27. Yeah. He's, you know, he's, he's not old he's in, been in real life. But in but playing for United, like, people were, were well into their peak at 27, you know? I just want to, I just want to add too, did he not go through something very personal with his family that he suffered he considerably, like, mentally because of it? Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I think that needs to be taken into account because I do think, Prior to that, he was playing at a very high level and he was he was scoring goals. He was creating goals. He, he would come on and he'd make a difference in a game. Um, and then this stuff happened. And you guys probably know the details better than I do. But I do think that um, that likely should be taken into account into his quality and maybe even his price, because I think he's probably a little bit better than than what we're giving him credit for currently. Jesse Lingard uh, absolutely has had an off season. Uh, he's got a one year extension that we could trigger, um, which I think would mean technically he's on contract for two more years. Um, so he's got some value to his contract. He, I think, got a girl pregnant, so we had a kid who wasn't ready for it. He's a pretty immature guy. I think his mom is sick, so he's yeah. been taking care of his like young family, his brothers and sisters. They're living with him now. So now all of a sudden he's a parent. So he's going to parent-teacher conferences and dealing with a lot of stuff. He had a bit of a, a tough summer. He did some stupid stuff online and posted some stupid stuff. Um, and then... And this is where it's probably the likelihood of him moving as a, as a reality. He uh, he signed up with Mina Rayola, uh, the hated Paul Poba agent. Um, and you don't sign up with him unless you're going to force a move or you've been told you're likely to be moving on. Um, so it's a bit of a drag, but uh, for $20 million, I think that's a fair price for somebody. It's who's probably the right it. number, I and, think, as well. England yeah. International. And honestly, you put him in a different league, you put him in a different team, he's got quality. He's just not consistent enough to the standards of Man United. Okay, you guys ready for the big one? Oh, gosh. I think it's time. <laughs> I want a team that is going to work their ass off like he's been there eight or nine games and the hardest working player on the field has been Bruno Fernandez because he wants to be successful. He wants to win for the badge. He wants to take his game to the next level. The guy for me that has to go in order for Manchester United to move forward is Paul Pogba. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised by that, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I think he probably could have gone a while back. It's just, it's this ongoing sort of saga of him, like sort of, Half in half in the club, half out, and uh, it's just it's not good for the club. It's not good for the the dressing room. It's not good for how how the team's going to perform when you've got this player who's got that sort of that ego and the, you know the, you spoke about Mina Raiola, that sort of 
you never know where, when, when he's going to want to leave or when he thinks he's, he's, he's bigger than everybody else. So yeah, it's, it's, I'd love to, uh, (laughs) I'd love to hear more about that. I think in years to come, you know, when he, when he's kind of at the end of his career, retired and stuff like that, I'm sure there'll be some coverage on that because the whole kind of relationship with United, you know, this is, this is an incredible player, a player that didn't make it at United, went to uh, Italy and did incredibly well, came back as this, you know, Renaissance man and, and look at how he's improved and, you know, we're buying him back and it's this big thing, wins the World Cup with France and yet just doesn't seem to to be able to do it. It's it's a really strange one, Pogba, but um, really interesting. How much how much do you get from Connie? 80 million apparently. Would you, okay, so quickly, so Brian's a yes. Would you sell him or would you keep him? Me? Yeah. Oh no, brainer! I'd sell him, Paul. I don't, I don't, I don't think he's he's done anything to de- deserve being at United. I don't think he, he really he really cares about how big of a club he's at. You know, I, I think he's been fit for a while. I really Paul, do. But absolutely, all about him all the time. Yep. Yeah, Paul, what do you think? I uh, his his creation numbers and his assists are still the best we have, and the best it like. Is injured, so it's hard to say the best in the Premier League, but he's De Bruyne-esque in his output when it comes to creating opportunities for other players around him. What's his consistency it, level like in his work rate? His consistency level from perception and statistics are different. He statistically makes two to three good opportunities a game. Whether you think he's hustling or not, he's doing the work, and he's done it without really having a great midfield around him. When he's been out of the game, guys like Fred have bedded in and other players have bedded in. We haven't seen what a good Fred and a good Pogba could look like as a combination. I, I think if you want to sell him, I get, I totally get it. But you're gonna to have to tell me who you think you're bringing in that can create the chances that he can create, and oh. that's where we're gonna move next. Oh. oh, I can't wait! And just before we move past him, that's why he's the most frustrating because of everything Paul just said. He is capable on his day of being world class. I don't, so, I don't think anyone would agree with that. It's his consistency. More importantly, and this never would have happened when Sir Alex was around, and I don't think Ole wants it, you're never bigger than the club. And this guy thinks he's bigger than the club, and I can't be having that. So he's gone. So for me, that's $158 million on top of the $150 you've given. You are at... A hundred. You are at three hundred and eight million. Gotcha. Right, I am. And before we start spending money, <laughs> there is a there is a thing called free agents. Yeah, so you are allowed one free agent signing from a very prestigious list of players that include somebody like Cavani. I know, possibly the best ever. No, I know, and and I'll tell you what. And it's one of those scenarios, and and I'd love to get the opinion from you guys. It's not always the most glamorous one for me, it's what you need the most. And I'm not, I haven't fully made up my mind on who I want from, I'm on the fence between two, but I want to start with the, if it's okay with you, can I come back to the free agent maybe at the end, depending on who I buy that's actually in contract right now? Sure. I'm going to start with the the one. This feels like you're making it up as you go. No, 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 no. I just, I'm not, I've got, no, I'll tell you who right now. Dries Mertens and Blaise Matuidi are the two that I can't decide between, but it depends on who I actually purchase out of my budget. But the big one I'm going to start with, and I, and I kind of take issue with how much you've put, you've, like you've got Pogba at 80, but the big bright light signing, I may not feel the same about him as you guys, but it's that right wing that I need. He's young. He's got the tools. Jaden Sancho. He's or my, how much? You've got him down for 110 million, and I find that wild. Stop. Could you could you stop saying the you part? Just say how much you sell guys for. 110 million, I guess, is what I'm buying for. Yet Pogba's being sold for 80. Okay, Sancho, 110. Uh, my next signing, and so I'll be, I'll be clear. Yeah, that's because Pogba has missed an entire season to injury, is kind of unhappy, and he's 27. And Sancho has had two consistently amazing years. And is being sold to a team that wildly needs a right wing and everybody knows it. And there's a Manchester United purchase tax, not a bonus when you sell players on. Quick quick yes or no from Brian and from Luke. In this market, does Paul Pogba go for less than Jaden Sancho? Yes. No, I don't think he does. I think I think if he does, it's it's minor. But I, yeah. you know, I think you can't overlook the fact that Paul Pogba is a World Cup winner. 
Sancho is, on his day, he's, on his day, he's one of, if not the best midfielders on the planet as well. But exactly, and and Sancho is still young, and you know he's unproven in a Premier League. Okay, so I've just I've just gotten rid of Pogba. Who do I replace him with? I've always felt, and if you watch for France, he does play in a deeper role. He he can play good defensive, but he's great at spraying the ball around. Thomas Partey from Atletico Madrid is one of the best defensive midfielders on the planet. And when he plays against the Barcelonas and the other teams in Champions League, that's when he flourishes. He is my defensive midfielder signing, one defensive midfielder signing for $50 million. That's a good shot. Good Very shot. And yeah. strongly, strongly linked with Arsenal right now, I would be very happy to to go in and get him. So that's Sancho and Partey. And then I think I'm going to keep going here and with that spine that I talked about. And this one's tough for me because there's a few good ones, but I think this guy is just a great buy for the price. I'm going to take Tyrone Mings for 20 million. Do we think like Bri, Luke, do we think that Mings goes for 20? Uh, yeah, I think so. Probably maybe a bit less, maybe, maybe 15. Um, but it's not far off a valuation. I think he's probably, he's going to be one of those players, uh, you know, that that's going to, it's going to affect a team's defense in a massive way. If they've already got one player, like you guys are, you know, like you said, you need that extra player for, for McGuire to play with. He's that type of player. You bring him in with McGuire and you've got a really solid, solid um, center half pairing. Um, so I think it's probably a fair price. And again, I think for, for United to buy him, it's, it's, cheap yeah and i think i can't see you going for minx yeah well no i don't think i don't think he's done enough i'm a huge mings fan um but he continues to make silly errors and you know you could you could argue that it's the players around him and yada yada but you know we blew a lot of smoke up his ass and he got his england call up and ever since he got his call up he just hasn't been the same player and it's a player that is no you know not uh not distant to injury so he's picked up a number of clinical injuries that have kept him out now, niggling little ones here and there, and, and he's missed a lot of the season. So it, 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 if you got him for that price and you, you wanted him, I just, for me, you've got Axel Tuanazebi. Uh, I just, I think you've already got a good option. He would be a bench player. So my my center back pairing that I want with Harry Maguire, and I can never pronounce his name, Upencano, uh, Upencano for RB Leipzig. He is a strong central defender that can play the ball and I'm purchasing him for 55 mil. A lot of teams have their eye on him. He's one of the the most wanted center backs in Europe right now. So he would be the guy. Mings was more of, if I'm getting rid of Phil Jones, why can't I grab somebody for 25 million as a better backup option? Just to clarify that. Yeah. It's a good shot for sure. Yeah, because like, and that's an issue where I think with a bigger club, and you look at the Man Cities when they were successful and we're starting to see with Liverpool, you need depth in that center back position. You can't have somebody coming in who's just terrible. Okay, this next one, controversial, but I want him. Jack Grealish, Aston Villa. 70 million if they stay up, 60 if they go down. You pick, you tell me, get pillaged. You, you tell me which price I'm picking. It's a bargain, mate. Villa are going to get pillaged, man. It's going to be, it's going to be brutal. It definitely feels that way. I'm like, get your hands off my club. I know, <laughs> I know, and I feel bad. But you don't own the players. You don't own the players. The, you know, he's the guy where, and we've had this discussion. Like, I don't think Bruno's a ten. Bruno is more of an eight. So it would be for me if I had Partey, Bruno, and Grealish right behind, like a Rashford. Um, he's unlocking it and he's running the offense there. Like I Grealish for me is like a true 10. And then he add in Sancho on the wing. You got Marshall. And that's a potent, potent, deadly offense. Um, would you have it? Would you have a three? Would you, would you have like Rashford, Marshall and, and Sancho? No, I think you need uh, four, two, three, one, probably. Right? No, I do like a, exactly. Uh, I, mm, no, I would play a four, two, one, three with Grealish being my one right behind the front three. And I'd have like Partey and Bruno right behind him with Fred. He's a wild man. Wild. <laughs> because they're responsible players too, because uh, Grealish will, will do the work to come back to midfield and get the ball. I've seen him do it. He, he works well. He'll work hard in that team. But he, he, his unlocking ability of offense is just 
him and Bruno with a strong central uh, defensive midfield. That could be very impressive. Yeah, yeah, I for think sure. it would be good. Um, and then, so what am I at right now? So I think I'm doing pretty good budget-wise here. And then I think I'm going to go. I think, if I'm tracking this correctly, and let's yeah. give Luke's team the, the benefit of the doubt that they're staying up. Yeah. You are now at $3 million left. $3 million? Okay, then I'm taking one. This is hard. Uh, yeah, I think I'm taking Blaze Matweedy because I want coverage in I'm between Blaze Matweedy and Trees Mertens because I think Trees Mertens is sick for uh, what do you call it? Is it not Lazio? Is it Lazio or um, he plays for Lazio, right? Or I always get Lazio and who's the other one? They've got the light blue in Italy. Oh, Napoli. Napoli. He does play for Napoli. He plays for Belgium and he's a classy, classy player. But that would essentially be like a replacement for Juan Mata. And I don't think they're getting rid of Juan Mata. And I need a little bit more steel in midfield. So I'm going to go with Matuidi. And that's my team. All right. So could you just run through your uh, your starting 11? Yep. Absolutely. I would love to. Okay. So starting 11. De Gea. Left back. Shaw. Middle. Upin Kaneo, can't pronounce his name. Maguire, Juan Basaka. That's my goalie and my front four. Midfield. Back four. Partey. Uh, back four, sorry. Uh, Fernandez. Uh, Jack Grealish. Right wing, Jaden Sancho. Uh, striker, Marshall. Left wing, uh, Marcus Rashford. Fire. What do you think? Paul's liking it, it looks like. I think you've got a very beautiful. 11 against a lot of the teams in the league would struggle against the best. And I think you're sacrificing depth for a team that's young and that can only get better with other windows to supplement the depth that you talked about earlier. But that's a team for me that I think uh, I would like to watch and that I can see finishing in the top four. What do you guys think? I think if they're saying that you're losing your depth, then we have a no-brainer decision. Phil Jones survives again. Oh, <laughs> your nine transfer, nine transfer. Oh. All these young lads telling them what to do, yeah. how to do it. He's your, he's your, he's your, uh, your club captain right there. What do you think of Freelish's work rate though? Like in a, in a tough oh, he's the, against the set. Yeah, right. I think he's got the the most the most distance covered by any player, any player in the Premier League. That's why I want, it's incredible. That's why I like, wanted him because he could sacrifice oh, certain games. He does. You know, you have those lazy players who are just fantastic, and they don't need. To, it's not so much lazy; they're just their natural ability is so good. And and Grealish is very talented, but he he also. He's he's like uh, when we play football, you know, if you lose the ball, you get frustrated and you run after it. He's still got that childish kind of love of football where he always wants the ball. And that's what we do at Villa. We just give Grealish the ball and then we just go, oh shit, what are we going to do now? You know? I'm changing my mind though. Yeah, I'm, that's I'm why you're going out. down. I'm switching, out yeah, yeah, sure. I'm switching out Matweedy for Mertens because I realize we've got McTominay and Fred. We don't have cover for, for the wing. So I'm going to take Mertens instead of Matweedy. Yeah, good decision. But he's not in my start. More balance, more balance at that point for yeah. sure. Let, let me ask you a, a little bit of a, a cheeky question here. Let's say Aston Villa go down. Yep. You get Grealish for ten million less. Yep. You can squeak in a thirteen million purchase for on loan a Gallo. Oh, I didn't mean. I forgot to add him. In. I couldn't afford him. I I'm couldn't. Giving you, I'm giving you the option to now afford him if. Who am I giving get, out? I'll, I'll take. I'll get rid of Mings and I'll keep a guy. No, no, no. Listen, to, listen to what I'm saying. Yeah, you're gonna get the sale price for Graylish at sixty instead of what I charge you, which is seventy, because I want yeah. them to stay up. And I was trying to give the vision board for Asavilla. Okay. <laughs> if you get ten million less for Graylish, you'll have thirteen million to spend, which is enough supposedly to sign our friend Agallo. Yeah, I think I think Agallo is going to force that move for like five, ten million. But yeah, I, I want to keep Agallo, but he'll maybe be like a second or third choice striker. But I do want to keep him. I think he's got potential. You need him for League Cup games and stuff like that. But yeah, I would absolutely do that. Well, man, I, I can't ask for more. That was a rebuild uh, that I think gives you the bone for yeah, maybe another one window to to do some damage in the league. And on top of that one window for certain young players to kind of hit their next level yeah. that uh, 
some of our midfield guys would be able to to help us out um, in the 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 depth department. We have a lot of academy guys to throw in there. So uh, yeah, man, I'm I'm optimistic that the state of Man United has been corrected by uh, the director of football, Dave Convery. Thank you. Nicely done, Tony. That was uh, really want Grealish and Sancho. I want in that team, man. And I think there's a possibility of making that happen. We're gonna have to pay out the ass for it, but they're two investments that I think I think they'll be worth it. Yeah. Question for you guys. Long-term investments. Sorry, question for you guys about United spending. And I know that um, everybody's going to be affected by the virus and, and the consequences of it. Has there any, been anybody any talk about what you're will, likely going to spend? Like what the number will be? Like, or Paul, is that where you got that from? Was that a like the, your number? Was it based on what the club was saying? What the board was saying? It's kind of based on what they're going to have to commit to to do any kind of rebuild. Right. which is what they've been telling uh, shareholders and fans. Um, so you can't really say you're invested in a rebuild of a major club competing across the board for a bunch of trophies without going somewhere. That's something. Yeah, I just wasn't sure. I just wasn't sure where that number came from. If it was sort of just based on previous windows or if it was based on the situation, current situation, I'm just pulling it from my brain. Pulling it out of your ass is what you're doing. Who's All going right, next? Well, who's going next? Uh, next time we get together, are we going to go Aston Villa? Are we going to go Spurs? I'm excited to to hear what you guys are doing. Um, I'm not sure, Paul, but I did, or Luke. I'm, I'm I'm fine to go next. Or um, Luke, how do you feel about it? Do you, do you need some more time? Or why why delay the inevitable? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll right. Give you filthy dogs what you All are. Right, on, yeah, that, on that note, Luke will, Luke will be going next uh, next week, and uh, please tune in because uh, we'd love to get you guys' opinion as well. But um, it'll be a short time. pod. <laughs> <laughs> like here's what I'm getting right up. What are you bringing in? Nobody. Yeah, <laughs> no. We're just gonna barracks. We're gonna lock everyone in and just be like, no, that's it. Yeah. All right. Boy, that was good. Yeah. Good stuff. Well done, Tony. Yeah. yeah excellent. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for listening to the North End podcast, and uh, we will be back next week to do Aston Villa. Cheers, guys. Bye. 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 Good. This is the North.